When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Crossed Up. Anthony Sanfilippo's here. I'm Bob Wankel. And Anthony, we get our first Philly series victory of the year. They take two out of three against the Cincinnati Reds. Good start in the home opener on Friday. A thrilling comeback that had shades of last October on Saturday. And then about as ugly and frustrating as of a loss that you can get on Sunday to close out the series with a chance to get the sweep. And of course, I think where I'm at today as we record this, if we would have recorded probably right after the game, I would have said, well, that was a total blown opportunity and wasted weekend against a team that you should have swept. But, you know, you kind of pump the brakes and you pause and you take a deep breath and you say, it's early in the season. They won the series. That's pretty much all you can ask for. They were sort of lucky to win the game on Saturday. So the fact that they blew one on Sunday, like, that eh, all kind of comes out in the wash, right? But man, like, three and six on a Monday morning versus four and five and coming off a sweep on a Monday morning, just a little bit of a different feel here, huh? Yeah, a little bit. And, and you know, and I can make, and not that I, I'm more of the person who believes what you just said, but I could also play devil's advocate and make the argument that, um, if they, you know, you could look at this weekend and say, man, if they don't have that ninth inning rally, then they lose two of three to the Reds. And then where are we at? Right. What kind of things are we saying? So it's probably better to be three and six and a little bit frothy over the fact that they blew a game Sunday than it would be, you know, it, the other way. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's there are there are some red flags that are starting to pop up um, and and. Uh, you know, yes, it's early nine games in, but you're starting to see things that start to bother you in the games and they're repeated things that are bothering you in games. And I, I, you don't have much more time to sit there and go, oh, it's early. Oh, it's early. Because if these things continue to happen, then it's going to be a real uh, it's going to be problematic. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, it's so I think that I'm trying to figure out what is the the tone that I want to bring to the show today like what is the appropriate way to view where they're at through nine games and and I think that at this point you're willing to sort of turn the page on the road trip and say okay one in five it's in the past they got a series win you start to feel a little bit better especially after Saturday you're like there's that thing there, there's that quality about this team that we saw so much down the stretch last year especially once they got into the playoffs how tough and how resilient they are and you start to look at them and you say, okay, like that's the Phillies I know. That's the Phillies that I expect. But then, you know, yesterday you talk about red flags. And I don't want to focus on just yesterday, but there are things that happened yesterday that I think are now becoming a little bit of an early season trend here. And the alarm's starting to slowly sound, I'll say. 
Now, I will say before we dig into all of this and we start talking about some of the issues that we're seeing, you know, you look at the standings. And one of my points last week was that this thing can get away from you very quickly. Well, fortunately for the Phillies, in addition to winning two out of three, the Braves had a very rough series, very rough weekend against the Padres. They win the opener and then San Diego takes the last three. And then, you know, the Mets lose on Sunday as well. So everybody's sort of jumbled around here. The Braves haven't been able to run away and build that six, seven game lead that we were feel fearful of. The Mets are hovering around 500. So despite the Phillies stumbles here early on, it's not like, oh man, they have really let this thing get away from them in the early going. So that's the good news. Yeah. And, and not only that, I'll, I'll add one more little good newsy kind of thing. Um, and it's and it's a very small silver lining, but it's still one that's there. Considering how poorly things started in the season, if you look at their last seven games, six of them were winnable. Yeah, and they only won two, right? So they're two and four. So you look at those four games and go, man, you lost the four games that they could have won. But that's the thing; like they there were six, they were in six of the last sets. So it's not like they're getting clobbered like they were by the first two games by the Rangers and that one game by the Yankees. Six of the last seven, they've been really close games, right in it all the way, you know, into the to the end, pretty much. Um, but you know, two and four is not where you want to be in those six. Nevertheless, I, it's one of those okay, they're baby steps, kind of getting out of this, and I, you know, you hope that they figure it out enough that they'll be able to turn it back around. Yeah, so I think we could probably work in chronological order here, and because we're doing this on a Monday morning, the Sunday game, the Easter game, the loss is is the most recent and probably the game that we're going to focus on the most, because I think it's also uh, an illustration of some of the larger concerns that we have. But before we get to that, so that we don't sound overwhelmingly negative out of the gate here, I mean, you go back to the home opener on Friday, and, and you and I both covered the game in person, and I know that you also covered the game on Saturday as well in person. You know, I just kind of quickly, like, any big takeaways for you on on Friday? I think that the the two things that, that I saw, and certainly you wrote about this, I wrote about it a little bit as well. Uh, we saw Zach Wheeler sort of bounce back. He, too, had a rough start uh, in his, his uh, first start down in Texas last weekend. I was encouraged. I didn't think it was vintage Zach Wheeler. I didn't think it was him at his best. But, you know, pitches into the sixth inning. And, you know, does what he's supposed to do against a pretty underwhelming Cincinnati lineup. But still, I kind of view it and say, all right, you know, that's a that's a big step in the right direction. That looks more like the Zach Wheeler that I expect to see. And then the other big part of it, and I'll let you kind of run with this, is Nick Castellanos. Like, what a weird nine games it's been for Nick because, you know, he's among the league leaders in doubles. His batting average is still down. He has no home runs. The strikeouts are up. But we are seeing some positives from him. So why don't you kind of jump into what you're seeing from Nick? So what I'm seeing from Nick is a guy who is staying committed to an offseason game plan that he could have easily gotten away from being a you know 10-year veteran in the league and, and you know just immediately going back to what he was used to. Um, and what also I'm seeing from him is is a guy who has really, you know, you know, we never really got the notion that that Nick Castellanos was like this real cerebral guy, right? I mean, right off the bat, like one of his first interviews was, yeah. you know, I'm just paid to hit baseballs, right? Like, yeah, like you weren't expecting to get like these great quotes or great thought-provoking comments out of him. And when I sit there and, and, and I talk to the guy and he compares, you know, where he used to be to where he is here in Philadelphia, 
and says, you know, I was just used to being at the top of a lineup with guys protecting me and just go up there and attacking the game. That's exactly what he said. I would attack the game. He says, well, now here I'm further down in the lineup. And so therefore I have a different, I have to have a different approach. I have to approach things differently. And last year I didn't. And now this year I, I have to, um, especially because they need him, right? I mean, there's no question about it with the injuries. They need him to be different. Um, and so it's, it's, so it's interesting to see that. And it's also interesting, Bob, that he's playing with, you know, a little bit more personality. He's playing with a little bit more, uh, leadership qualities that maybe, you know, he took, was taking a backseat to guys last year, but now with guys out, he's taking that, that role on as well. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's been kind of weird. Uh, he's, you know, he's just seven for 31 to start the year, which is just a 226 batting average, which is nothing spectacular. Um, but at the same time, he's also, uh, you know, walking more than he's ever walked in his life. When you really think about, uh, you know, where, where he's at, where he's at, he's got what, seven walks now, six, seven walks, uh, to start the season, um, which he had 29 all of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, that's unbelievable when you think about it. Cause if you pro- project it out, I mean, you know, I don't expect him to be a 120 walk guy, um, but at the same time, um, he's gonna he's probably gonna blow past twenty nine pretty quick, right? And he, like like you mentioned, leads the he leads the majors in doubles so far. With he's got six doubles already. Um, so uh, you know, three fifty one on base is good. You know, seven seventy one OPS could be a little higher, but it's not terrible. So it's really kind of an interesting, weird dynamic with this guy at this point, because you're seeing some things that are like, yeah, like I want to. I want to like this guy. I want to be on board with him. And then you see some of the things he's also leads, leads the league in strikeouts with 16 and say, okay, maybe is he, is he being too patient? Should he be swinging at more pitches? So it's really kind of like you're back and forth with him a little bit. And it's kind of, uh, it's kind of weird. And I, I'm going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. So when the Phillies signed him, I mean, obviously you love the offensive production, but one of the things that I really liked about Nick Castellanos at the time, like watching him play with the Reds, especially was that, just like seems like he had a little bit of fire to him, like a little bit of like a, a little bit of edge to his game. I, you know, you'd watch him come, you know, running across home plate, and he'd be three buttons down, and the jersey would be flapping all about, and he'd be like, kind of like ready to almost, you know, like almost like flex, like you know, I am all that is man. Like he had this like real like he had this like real edge about him. And last yeah. year, you know, we did not see that at all. And so you definitely do see a player that is more engaged on the field. Um, and I think that you see a player that is certainly more engaged in the in the clubhouse with the media, you know. Uh, yeah. So I think but the thing well, the thing he did the thing he did on third base on Saturday, which we I don't want to gloss over because he did it a little bit on Friday too. I mean, that started on yeah. Friday, getting down the line. It's vacated by the third baseman, yeah. trying to draw the attention, and then obviously it was the the headline or the story really becomes Saturday because of what it led to specifically. But it, it's it's fun to watch him play baseball right now i will overlook the fact that he had a horrendous base running mistake yesterday but you know no big deal (laughs) that was that was well i think what happens is you attribute that to like hey look at me i'm i'm having fun i'm bringing energy to the base pass i'm trying some things i'm i'm trying to gamble a little bit you know work the other team and i think that that yesterday was a situation where he maybe pressed his luck a little bit too far yeah, uh, no. and it was a costly mistake, as we know, uh, as things played out in the ninth inning with Sir Anthony Dominguez's meltdown. But 
you know, just back to him real quick. I feel like we talk about him a lot on this show because he's just such an important piece, especially with Reese Hoskins going down with Bryce Harper out right now. You you look at this lineup, and we're going to talk about some of the red flags, but you love parts of this lineup right now, but, man, you get to that back end of it at times, and you're just like, what is this right now? Is this a is this a competitive, deep enough lineup to really score runs on a consistent basis? So Nick Castellanos and his season is going to be so important to the overall 2023 Philly story. You talked a little bit about the plate discipline. You go back to his out of zone strike, uh, his uh, out of zone swing percentage last year, over forty three percent in twenty twenty two. It's down to twenty eight percent so far this season. So when we say this looks like a more patient hitter, and we look at the walk numbers, it took him seventeen games last season to draw his sixth walk. He did it in his seventh game on Saturday this season. So these numbers are real. Like the approach, it's not just something that we think we're seeing. I mean, it is very, very noticeable, and the numbers back it up. But yeah, even his counts too, Bob. If you look yeah, at the number of times counts. that he's, yeah, yeah. I mean, like he's been he's been ahead or even in uh, twenty three. Uh, I'm sorry, yes, twenty three of his plate appearances so far, and only been behind in eight. But then you get to yesterday, and and I think this is going to be... I'm sorry, 29, 29 and 8. I, I okay. miscounted. I was looking at at-bats, plate appearances, 29 uh, ahead or even, okay. and only behind an 8. So that's not bad. So I think the battle with him, though, is going to be this. It's the ninth inning on Saturday. He starts it with the walk. It's a point of emphasis. We applaud it. They blow the lead in the ninth on Sunday, though, and he leads off again in the ninth and you say okay I don't blame him for having a similar approach or you know having a similar idea coming into that at bat but then on the flip side of it he gets to two strike count gets a fastball right down the middle bat doesn't come off his shoulder and you go come on man so I think for him it's encouraging to see the plate discipline increase um, and, and become significantly better in the early going. I like that he had an off-season plan, and he's trying to stick to it in the early going. There have been some good things, but the next step is going to be the attack. And when you can attack, you do damage. And, and like that's what we haven't seen yet. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, still, it's still worth noting. I mean, and I mentioned it on, on Friday's show, but he went the final 10 regular season games of, of 2022 without a home run, 17 postseason games, and now we're nine games into the regular season here. He still hasn't hit a home run. And I don't expect Nick Cassianos to be a 30-35 home run guy, but I, I need him to hit at least 20. Yeah, I, I, look, I think it's still a work in progress, right? But, I mean, they're trying to change a, a lifetime of of baseball with him. Like, I mean, he he's his first nine years in, in the league, he did things one way and one way only. And now they're trying to do something completely different. And so it's going to take, I think, more than, you know, 60 plate appearances in spring training and 38 and whatever, whatever it is, 30 some, 31 in, uh, in a regular season to kind of get there. Um, I, I just, I do think it's encouraging though, where it's, tr where it's at and where it's going. Um, the, the question will be, will Nick be patient enough? To let it get there or will he grow frustrated with it and then revert back to what he used to do before in which case then he does not help this Phillies team so that's that to me is is the big let's wait and see with Nick Castellanos 
Uh, absolutely. And then you get to Saturday. And I think the story of Saturday, as I touched on earlier, is about resilience. Because Nick Lodolo absolutely blew the doors off the Phillies on Saturday. Yes, he did. We talked about him last week, and he is an up-and-coming guy. Like This isn't some scrub. You know how the Phillies used to have that annoying habit of, hey, here's a guy with a six-plus ERA who absolutely stinks, and you know they're not going to hit him. They, they did that for years. Well, Nick Lodolo is not that guy. I mean, I know that we kind of write off the Reds. They're a bad team. We know they're not going to compete this season, but they do have some young, intriguing pitching prospects. And Nick Lodolo is a guy that last season shut down the Phillies uh, in a start in Cincinnati over seven innings. 15 strikeouts for Phillies hitters on Saturday. I can't tell you that I was overly excited about the game the Phillies played. I know they won. The ninth inning was great. I think they were beneficiaries of Alexis Diaz coming back for a second inning. Mm-hmm. There's no question in my mind. I think Nick Castellanos on the bases played a role. And credit to them that when all the chips were on the table, they got it done. And they stole a pretty big win. Kind of gave a, a spark or a little bit of a jolt to an early season that has just really lacked a lot of energy for this team. So I applaud the victory. I applaud the comeback and all of the intangible things that we know exist with this team. Or certainly they existed with this team last season. Philly's offense was dreadful on Saturday and wasn't all that much better on Sunday. And so I think that this kind of leads us into this conversation of great. They stabilized a little bit. They got a a series victory. They have the Marlins here this week. Hopefully they can take two out of three. They have their work cut out for them again. Alcantara on Monday, I believe they see Lazardo who's been excellent so far. Like Marlins are coming in with some good arms and the Marlins haven't won a ton yet. And the offense is, is, you know, lackluster at best, similar to Cincinnati in a way. But the Phillies have their work cut out for themselves here. But th- that all being said, that all being said, you get to this offense. You look at where this starting rotation's at. You've seen some of the the leakiness, I'll call it, in the bullpen. Like, where? what is the takeaway? Like, other than two out of three, nice job. Like, what concerns you most right now? Too many slow starts with key guys, and, and I, I. It's funny to you know to, to include Turner in there because he's been he was really he's got seven game hitting streak to start the season, right? But you look at the last two days, and yeah. I think he's his last two games were terrible. Um, uh, Schwarber's just not hitting at all. Uh, Real Muto, he's been wildly inconsistent as well. I mean, again, credit Lodolo for pitching a hell of a game, but you can't have. Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, JT Real Muto. Oh, the three players who played for Team USA in the World Baseball Classic. Okay, and carried that team in the World Baseball Classic outfit. They did all the right things in that tournament. Go up against Nick Lodolo and go 0 for 11 with nine strikeouts. They each struck out three times in that game. I mean, you can't have that happen. You know, they were really, the, the inning that bothered me the most is like, okay, maybe Lodolo is like red, is red hot. He's just on and has one of those games and you tip your hat to the pitcher. But they pull him and in the eighth inning, the Phillies come in against Ramirez, okay, top of the order. And he just blew, blew them away. Like they were in three of the most non-competitive at-bats the Phillies have had this season. And they were right in a row. And it was Turner, Schwarber, Romuto. To me, that's the that's the biggest red flag of the of the offense because if your star players, if your best players aren't providing offense, what do you expect? I mean, look, if it hasn't been for Stott and Marsh and 
Bohm, who've really been the offensive catalysts, right? I mean, this team wouldn't do wouldn't be doing anything. And it's weird to say because what, like six of the nine games, they've had at least nine hits in a game, right? right? So most of the time they're getting on base, they're getting hits, but they're really not putting the ball out of the ballpark. This is a different kind of way of doing things, and the Phillies have never been great at manufacturing runs, and I think that that's part of the problem. They're getting the hits, but they're not manufacturing the runs. They're used to just, all right, get a guy or two on base, and then somebody will hit a home run, and we'll have a big inning. Well, they're not doing that, and I think so that's, that's what's the concern is because I'm not certain that they have that kind of lineup now. And so they, they're going to have to find other ways to score runs. And until they have that different approach with runners on base and try and get, getting them over and getting them in, I think that you're going to still have these pull your hair out moments like, oh man, they, they could have scored another run there or they could have had two runs there and they didn't because they struck out or they didn't move the runner or whatever the case might have been. Yeah, if you go back a month ago, we're talking about the idea of Al Bone potentially turning into a 25 home run guy, and that would be a luxury. This team is just flooded with power, and then a guy like Bone hits 25, and all of a sudden you say, my goodness, the way that this offense has performed through nine games, though, I'm starting to look at it and say they, they might need Al Bone to be a 25 home run guy because there is just a, a total power outage throughout this lineup right now. Trey Turner yet to hit one, and I don't want to be too hard on Trey Turner I mean, you said he opened the season with a seven-game hitting streak. Five of those games were multi-hit games. Yeah. Uh, the last two have been have been tough. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt. In the Sunday game, the top three in the order, Turner, uh, Schwarber, Real Muto, one for 11. They were over on Saturday. You're just not going to win a lot of games if those three guys aren't rolling, as you said. And they have not been here you know, for two days in a row, all together, all at the top of the lineup. Still, the Phillies were in position to win the game yesterday, uh, and – I was concerned with with multiple things, I think. And and you are kind of taking the approach that the offense is the biggest red flag. And I'm kind of the other way at this point. I, I am very concerned about what we've seen from this pitching staff. And just to kind of give you a, a little bit more of a macro overview of this, nine games now, they've only had four starters go at least five innings. Only Aaron Nola against the Yankees was able to get through six innings. So we had Wheeler do it on uh, the, in the home opener. He pitched into the sixth. Bailey Falter has pitched uh, through five innings now twice. Um, and then you had the Aranola start. But other than that, I mean, that's less than half the starts that they've been even able to get through five. Yeah, I, I, I'm not as concerned with the starting pitching not going deeper. I, I think it's, I think that is a, a mild concern if it continues. But I think baseball has gotten to that point where you're not letting, they're not even letting these guys get close to 100 pitches. They're pulling these guys when they're pulling them. And that's, is that because the pitcher can't get go another inning or is it because that's the plan? You see what I'm saying? So I'm, so I'm not that concerned about it. I, I, I don't think it's something we just slough off. I think, you know, when you look at a couple of these starts, you say, yeah, they, they probably needed more. And I, I'll give you a falter start, for example. He probably goes more than five innings if he doesn't throw fifty pitches in the first two, sure. right? I mean, but uh, but he retired the last twelve batters he faced. He retired. But I so, can like, live with Bailey Falter going five innings. Uh, sure, so, so can I. I. I can live with that. When you start talking about not being able to hit the fifth inning, though, to, to hit the five yeah. inning threshold, that's a different problem. I know the game's different. I know that you rely on bullpens more than ever. But even yesterday, for instance, we can talk about Sir Anthony Dominguez. We can talk about Craig Kimbrell, and and we will. But you look at Taiwan Walker, who yeah. can't even get you through five, and then you have to turn to a five different relievers to try to nail down 
the last four plus innings of the game. Like you need Taiwan Walker to be better than he was yesterday. And really than he's been this season. You know, he's thrown nine innings across two starts now. He's walked eight in nine innings. And yesterday was specifically concerning to me because I did think that he threw the ball okay on Monday night against the Yankees. But yesterday against the Reds, when they entered the third, fourth inning, I mean, I don't want to be overly critical, but I had turned around. I was, you know, I was at home as well Easter Sunday. I turned around and said to my dad, I was like, this thing's like he's throwing straight slop up there right now. So then you open up uh, Baseball Savant, you look at the stack cast numbers. And against the Yankees, he averaged 94.9 miles per hour with his fastball. Yesterday against the Reds, it was down to 92.6. I mean, that's that's more than two miles per hour off the fastball in five days. And, and to me, that is extremely concerning. When you look at the lack of command, you see the diminished velocity. I'm just kind of holding my breath on Tywon Walker because he is so important to what they're going to do this season especially with Ranger Suarez behind schedule. Yeah, I, that Walker has been the one concern so far. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, I, look, I mean, that, you know, you really, you, you point out the bigger, the biggest concern of yesterday's game is the fact that he's two miles per hour behind his previous start. You wonder if that's, a, again, you know, you, look at how small his workload was leading into the season and does he need a little bit more time between starts because he's still his arm's still not built up to where it needs to be so like would one more day have given him just i'm just saying not i'm not making an excuse but would one more day have gotten him back to 94 as opposed to being in 92 right i mean i don't know i'm i'm just saying that and and that's because he didn't have the the workload that he needed to get ready for the season I, it, it's not it's not good enough either way, um, but we'll find out with his next start and see where he's at. I think that's when you have a start like that and go, okay, that was not good. Like I thought his first start was okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. I mean, that was the game that they got beat 8-1 by the Yankees, but all the issues were with the bullpen in that game more so than Taiwan Walker. It was like, okay, that was whatever. But then this one, you take a step back. You go, all right, now that's not good. Go to start three. If start three is along the same lines, then I think we go ring the alarm bells. If if start three is a little bit better, you say, all right, maybe that's where we're at. So that so that's how I look at it. But I, yeah, I think you're spot on. Like that's the to me that's the biggest concern right now with the starting rotation. Um, obviously, there's no Ranger Suarez, right? So maybe the, maybe it's the second biggest concern. But of the guys that are pitching right now, that's the that's the biggest concern. So then we get into the bullpen, and just looking at yesterday's game specifically, Soto, nice appearance, clean inning. Alvarado just continues to be unbelievable. I Three thought... more strikeouts. I mean, we probably, straight. we should probably try to drag out the Jose Alvarado conversation a little bit here for at least a minute or two so we sunshine into this podcast. I mean, yeah. he has been phenomenal. You know, the conversation coming into this season about Jose Alvarado was, wow, what a great job to – rebound and, and sort of resurrect his career in Philadelphia. We're talking about a potential DFA for him in, in May of last season. And he just goes down and he figures it all out and he comes back and he's so good for the Phillies. And I know it didn't end well with your on Alvarez in the World Series, but guy just sort of ran out of gas. But my question coming into this season was, would he be able to maintain that momentum? Could he carry it over and continue to attack the strike zone, continue to pitch with that confidence 
and really let that stuff play. And not only has he done it thus far, he's been even better. He's been unhittable. And I mean, that is not hyperbole. He's been unhittable. He struck out 11 of the 13 batters he's faced in this season so far. Amazing. I've never seen I know I no walks. One hit, no walks, 11, 11 strikeouts. That's 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 just a, it's off the charts. It's only four innings, man, but my word. He's it's their batters are just flailing at pitches up there against him. They don't know what's coming. They can't touch his his uh his, his totally cutter, match. the cutter, the splitter, no matter what he's no matter what he's throwing. It's just it's just not a splitter. That was Hector Neris. What his other pitches he has a sinker, right? So um yeah, it's it's just he's just blowing people away. Really, really impressive. And, and almost to the point, Bob, where I'm saying if he's going to be this good, this even if it's even though it's early in the season, don't you almost say this is this is our guy in the back of the bullpen at this point, considering whatever everything else is going on? Like I, we gotta make him close it out. It's an interesting thought, and I, I'll say this. I know that the Gregory Soto experience early on has been a bumpy ride, but you watch him, at least I watch him, and I say, I get this. Like, I get yeah. the talent. I think it's going to straighten itself out. I expect him to hit his stride. And you see, wow, the Phillies really have two big-time weapons from the left side. Like, yeah. And you can really you can dream on that a little bit. And in a perfect world, Sir Anthony Dominguez and Craig Kimbrell figure it out, and you just simply use these guys in late innings as you see fit. You go match up. Say you you face a left-handed heavy part of the lineup in the eighth inning, deploy Alvarado. That's what they want to do, and to date is what they're trying to do. But if Craig Kimbrell is going to continue to struggle, and the thing that I see with him is just the off-speed stuff, the breaking stuff is just there. In, it's just not there. It's either non-competitive or it's just hanging in the zone. And it's getting pounded right now. Sir Anthony Dominguez, I think it's twofold. One, you've talked a lot about the this pitching staff just being a little bit behind schedule. And I think that he may fall into that as well. But you watched the ninth inning yesterday. It's almost like an offense in the NFL with under three minutes left. And they have the football. And they have the ability to let the play clock wind down and take time off the clock. You don't have to rush. And you're watching Sir Anthony Dominguez out there, and the game is getting away from him. And the pitch clock does put a little bit of additional pressure on you, but he's exacerbating the problem because he is just back on the mound and go, back on the mound and go. I mean, he is just rushing beyond the need in which he he does not need to rush to the extent that he is at this point. Yeah. He's so far out of whack right now. And I would tell you that this too falls into the idea that these guys are just a little bit ill-prepared, whether it's ramping up and being ready to kind of come out firing or just even being ill-prepared to deal with the rule implementations. It's it's strange. Like, this staff right now, if I had to, like, really point a finger at something early on, this this staff doesn't look like it has this team ready right now. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, yeah, Dominguez, it's, it's funny because, you know, we know the rules are the batter has to be engaged with the pitcher by the eight-second mark or else it's, you know, uh, a pitch clock violation on the batter. But with when you watch Dominguez, it's like he's pitching at eight seconds. Yeah. He doesn't really – he's not using the fact that he has eight more seconds after that to kind of, you know, do what he has to do. If he needs to, needs to breathe once or twice before delivering the pitch, then do so, man. Like, that's the one thing that's just like he's – 
he's so flabbergasted by it that he's just it seems like he's just rushing through his delivery and and it's just not it's not working right now um they had nine walks in the game yesterday bob it's unbelievable that's, that's too much it's just too much yeah you can't win it you really can't win games if you're gonna walk nine batters um the bullpen has been a little bit hit or miss for me. Um, obviously, there's guys who've been great. We mentioned Alvarado. Uh, Soto, his last couple of outings have been really good, and he had one other good one uh, sandwiched between two bad ones. So, I, I, But I do see, like, I agree with you. I do see the what works there, and I think that he, he'll be fine. Um, Bilotti and Brogdon have both been really good for them, and guys that they're going to lean on up for multiple innings, it seems like, uh, in, in, in a lot of games. I mean, Bilotti's pitched six out of nine so far. I think Brogdon's five out of nine, so like, these guys are are getting a lot of time, and they're and they're pitching well. Um, so I think that there are guys you look in that bullpen and go, okay, yeah, they're doing their job. Um, but there are guys like it, it's Kimbrel and Sir Anthony that have been the biggest concerns to me to start off, and it's a shame because they're your right handers at the back of the bullpen, right? And that's the thing. Like I mean. Yeah, you, you need at least one of them. You can live with one going through some struggles early yeah. on. Having both of them struggle early on simultaneously is, is yeah. a different story. You even see yesterday, he, Dominguez gets the first out in the ninth, and then he gets Stuart Fairchild, and he walks him on on four pitches. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a non-competitive bat. You're talking about a guy that's a 231 career hitter, and you go back to the greater point of the, this game, and talking about nine walks, it's not that it was nine walks against some elite offense and you're trying to be too fine. You're talking about a, a bottom third offense. Yeah. Attack, throw strikes, make them beat you. And and to watch that staff yesterday sort of unravel the way it did, and all that being said, we're sitting here watching this play out, and you're like, wow, the Phillies really might win a game in which they walk nine batters and also make three outs on the base pass. And when I come back to this idea that the staff doesn't have this team prepared listen i'd be the first to tell you and i know that when we went through the gabe kapler years i i would point this out all the time these are major league baseball players they have to come in with a certain level of understanding iq of how to play the game when odupo herrera was making stupid mistakes last season i i didn't blame joe like joe girardi for that you know what i mean like or you know what i'm saying like when he would make stupid mistakes under gabe kapler I didn't think that was Gabe Kapler's fault. When they would make errors or play poor defense, I didn't think that was the manager's fault. That's that's You are who you are to an extent when you reach this level. But that being said, this is the, the base running thing is just something you don't expect to see be an issue. And through nine games, it's repeatedly been an issue. It's not like we're just looking at yesterday's game and saying, wow, you know, uh, Marsh blows through a stop sign. He comes, He picks it up way too late. I have no idea how he doesn't pick it up. But he, he's way too late. He blows through it, spins his wheels. He's out at third base. Back in, in the earlier in the game, Schwarber scores. Castellanos tries to ride his tail. He's out by 25 feet at the plate. And you're like, what are you doing, man? Like, what's the communication breakdown? What's the thought process breakdown there? And then even late in the game, I know they're winning at this point. I think they're holding a 4-3, raw, uh, 4-3 lead when uh, Schwarber in the eighth tries to extend into a double and he's thrown out. We saw it earlier with Derek Hall earlier this week in New York. It ends up costing him probably three months. It, it's I just don't know what's going on here. But when it happens, when it happens all the time, you start to say like, "Yeah, eh? it happened in Texas when Marsh got picked, you know, thrown off a third. Uh, you got Trey Turner getting picked off a of first off, base. Yeah. 
Uh, you had uh, Real Muto banged at second when he, um, you know, overran the bag and then slipped a little bit and tried to get back. And, you know, so yeah, there's been a lot. <laughs> there have been a lot of base running gaps here to start the season and more, more than there, than there should be. Um, part of that could be that they, they want to be aggressive and that they want to be like, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're the Phillies and we're going to do this and we're going to force you to, to make perfect throws and get us and stuff like that. And, and that's okay at times. Like, but if it, if it becomes a little bit of a chronic thing, Bob, if it becomes like an issue like now, you say, okay, let's pump the brakes on that approach for a little bit. Let's get back to doing it, The you know, be pa- be patient, be cautious, make sure that when we're going, we know we're going to go and we know we're going to be okay, right? Um, and let's not be uber aggressive because it's not. it may not ever level out. You might get to a mindset where you are always that way and making bad decisions. Um, and you, got, you can't be running through stop signs you can't you can't you think that there's i mean totally agree with you I, i'm just kind of curious you look at the power numbers and we talked about this earlier in the show the phillies have hit seven home runs this season seven yeah only three teams have less the guardians the tigers and the nationals so you look at that and you look at this lack of thump that this this lineup is displayed in the early going i mean do you think that there's any correlation between that lack of thump and maybe guys pressing a little bit saying we have to grab extra bases. We have to manufacture is not the right word, but we have to gamble a little bit and try to take more because we know that we're down Reese. We know that we're down Bryce. We know that this offense right now isn't quite what we thought it was going to be three weeks ago. So do you think that maybe whether it's at top of mind or subconsciously, these guys are just playing a little bit overly aggressive and running themselves out of these innings to try to compensate for this? I mean, I look at those numbers, and I just did that in real time. I knew that the Phillies were struggling in terms of, of home runs and power this season. But my God, seven? Yeah. I mean, put that in context. The Rays, who lead MLB, 24 home runs. And I know the Rays are a on crazy, a different right? planet right now. But you even go back to the Dodgers, who were second with 18. The Giants with 17. You would think that the Phillies would be a team that would have 13, 14 home runs by now. Yeah, well, that's part of the problem with the lineup being what it is, right? No Harper, no no Hoskins, no Hall. That's a lot of power coming out of the lineup, right? So you're, you're probably not going to be where you kind of expected to be, but you shouldn't be third from the bottom either. I mean, you still got guys who can hit the ball out of the ballpark. You're, you shouldn't be that far down. And I think that's indicative of the slow start by Schwarber, Turner not hitting a home run, Real Muto being inconsistent, Castellanos not hitting any home runs. I think that's what we're why you're down where you are. Nevertheless, yeah, that's that is a slight concern. I mean, I'm you know me, I'm not a big home run or bust guy, right? I I prefer the the the, the game the way that the Phillies are playing it a little bit right now in the sense of hit you know get the hits you know and and uh, and drive in runs that way. I'm kind of old school in that regard, but. I do. I do admit you do need more than seven home runs in nine games. It needs to be. You need a little bit more balance. You can't be this bereft of power and expect to win. This isn't the nineteen eighty five Cardinals, right? right? You're not running the running around the bases like those those guys did. So, uh, so yeah, you do need a little bit more. Well, power. Let me let me ask you this then, uh, just to kind of, I guess, reset everything through nine games. New week coming up here. On a scale of one to ten, I have four topics for you. All yeah. right. 
So like, we'll just summarize what we've sort of talked through because we see all of these problems. We know it's early, though. I think that generally speaking, we're both fairly optimistic about this team's ability to recover and where they're going, I think. Yeah. So let's just look at the offense, what it is right now on a scale of one to 10. What is your confidence level in this lineup moving forward? Seven. Okay, and I would imagine that a lot of that comes from the the th- the thought that Bryce Harper will probably return in May sometime, even if even if it's very early June. Yeah. I'm still confident enough that they can get to where they need to be. Um, my reluctance is, I really don't know what they're going to get production wise at first base. Assuming if you assume like. Rob Thompson says, Alec, I think of Alec Bowman as our third baseman. Then if that's the case, I'm not sure what the production is going to be. At well, that, I think that thought lasted all of, of one game of Cody Clemens. I mean, it sounds like now they're going to go to Bohm yeah. against lefties anyway. For sure against lefties. For yeah. sure against lefties. And, but and looks like maybe, maybe more so against righties than they initially let on as well. Yeah. Um, do you think that they will, I mean, I think that this is probably a captain obvious question, but I mean, do you think that they go out and add, uh, they're gonna somewhere? Add a, they're going to have to add a bat yeah. and, they're gonna have to, and it's going to have to be a power bat. Yeah. I, it's going to have to probably be closer to the deadline and they're going to have to make do until then. Yeah. Um, cause I don't think teams are going to trade off anybody without asking for a premium this early in the year. Um, but yeah, I I don't think it's it. I think I don't think they have a choice. I think they have no other alternative but to do that. The I'll just give you a number. I'm not going to elaborate any any yeah. further because I think we've touched on the main points. I'm at about a six with the lineup right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bullpen. On the whole, I, I'm, conf, I'm I'll put the confidence level a little bit higher. I'm going to go eight with the bullpen. I, I'm not. I'm really worried about Kimbrel just having lost it. I mean, when you're bouncing your slider 52 feet, I mean, really, we were there together when he came in that one, that one slider. Oh no. Was it, was it you there sitting there? Maybe I was talking to Howard. Maybe we're both of you. I don't remember if it was opening day or the, or, uh, the day after he, he was bouncing his, his breaking ball, like really short of the plate. If you can't, if you don't have that, then you're, nope, they're not going to, Sit back. You're not going to blow him away because he's not a fastball guy. They're not going to be not going to blow him away. So he's a concern. I I'm confident that Dominguez will find it at some point. I just think I'm just a little worried about him right now. And I like Soto and Alvarado and the other guys. So I think the bullpen will be okay. I'm go eight on the bullpen. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I actually still feel pretty good about this bullpen, despite what I saw on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and by what we've seen with Craig Kimbrell to this point, I too. Uh, remain pretty optimistic that this is a good bullpen. I expect this to be a top five bullpen in the National League uh, when the dust settles. And then that that brings us to the rotation. And I'll just go out ahead of you on this one first. Um, I was so excited by this rotation coming in. Uh, the idea of pairing Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, one, two. I really liked the middle of it with Suarez uh, and Walker. I was really excited about that. At times when they're at their best, they all pitch like number twos. And then the idea of, of bookending it with a guy like Andrew Painter, and, you know, and having Bailey Falter be that fifth or sixth guy or however they wanted to kind of go about allotting their innings. Uh, it has not played out that way at all. Um, I'm very concerned about the starting rotation right now. And I will just say this. 
Uh, I am not as high on Aaron Nola as some people are. I still think he's a very good pitcher. I don't expect him to um, to continue to have struggles. Like I think that he'll be okay moving forward. I think Zach Wheeler will be okay moving forward. I still feel good about that tandem at the top of the rotation. But after that, I really am not sure. Until Ranger Suarez is back, until I see him live, I can't tell you that I'm overwhelmingly confident about what that's going to look like. I'm very concerned about what I've seen from Taiwan Walker through two starts, especially yesterday. And you said it earlier. I think that this next start will kind of be the one that tells the story. If he doesn't rebound, if he still looks like he's down with the velocity, he's struggling with his command, I think that you start to hit the panic button on him a little bit. Andrew Painter, I, I hope that we get an update, like a true update of what his timetable might look like sometime this week, hopefully, because right now it's a little bit hush on him. I, I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that we're just going to see him come late July or that he's going to be hit the hit, you know, that he's going to hit the ground running when we do see him. Um, I, I have concerns about this starting rotation right now. So like my confidence level in this rotation is about a five. I'd go five as well. And, and I, I think my five might be a little bit more optimistic than your five. <laughs> I think, I think your five might be five with an arrow pointing down and my five. Yeah, five that's fair. Arrow, yeah. With an arrow pointing up. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I too have the same concerns that you have about Walker. Um, and I have a concern that, you know, Suarez, does he come back and, and is he okay? I know they did the MRI. I know there's no damage in the elbow, but we've seen it before when you have that forearm tightness and then they check the elbow and then they look it around. Oh, it's not there. It's nothing there. And you come back and they pitch for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden the problem shows up. And you're shut down for a year. I mean, sometimes with the, if you had to get Tommy John, right? So that's my concern: is that Suarez never gets to be Suarez. We don't. We never get Ranger to be Ranger. And and and, um, you know, Bailey Falter is Bailey Falter. I'm fine with Bailey. Fal if Bailey Falter is going to come come out and give you five innings and give up a run or two, and and then you got to turn it over to the bullpen, he's doing his job as far as I'm concerned. He doesn't need to be better than that. He could even probably be a little bit worse than that, and you know, and as long as he's keeping you in the game, right? Then I'm then I'm okay with Bailey Falter. I, my arrow up is I do think Painter will be okay. I do think Painter will pitch important innings for the Phillies this year. And if that is the case, and he turns out to be what everybody thinks he's going to be, then I think your confidence level in the rotation can go up higher. So that's why my arrow is pointing up from five, but only because of that. Um, I, I do have the same concerns that you do. Well, you and I both uh, picked the Braves to win the National League East at the start of the season. Yep. I haven't seen anything despite Atlanta's struggles this past weekend. I haven't seen anything that that gets me off of that prediction. Uh, but I will ask you, your confidence level in the Phillies winning a wild card spot, which we both predicted at the start of the season. Obviously, we were not expecting a three and six start. I think we both had the Phillies five and four through nine games when we sort of did the what will April look like. Mm -hmm. We know that this team has some issues right now. We know that May is looming and a very difficult schedule. What's your confidence level in the Phillies winning a wild card spot right now? It remains high because I look at the National League and I don't see it. I mean, I mean, look, look we, we know what the division is. With the Marlins and the Nationals, I, I don't think are involved in the in the wild card conversation. When you look at the Central, boy, the Cardinals, and this was my big concern. Is why I picked the Brewers to win the division, not because I thought that the Brewers were a great team. I don't, um, but the Cardinals' pitching is just terrible. It's just there's they're not they're not going to have it. I don't know where it's coming from. So I don't see them in the mix. 
the rest of the central is blah. Right? There's nothing there. I'm, I'm not looking at the, I don't think that the Cubs are anything special. Obviously, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. So there's not, nothing there. And you go out west. Yeah, the Padres, it's great. Um, Dodgers are probably going to figure it out. I and mean, they're off to a slow start, too. So th- they're going to be in, in, in the playoff mix. And I don't know if Ar- I think Arizona is really young and doesn't have pitching beyond Gallon and Kelly. Um, I, I don't like the Giants a little bit. The Rockies stink. So, like, even if the Phillies end up being the sixth team again, I don't see a seventh team that's better. So, so my confidence remains high that the Phillies are a playoff team. All right. Uh, I know you have a one last thing probably lined up. and A I, fun one, too, this week. I have a fun one this week. I meant to I meant to mention this earlier in the show, and it just sort of got lost. And I feel like we can't go through the show without bringing up Bryson Stott, who yeah. right now is is fifth in Major League Baseball in hitting. He's tied for sixth in terms of most hits. He's been outstanding. Nine uh, hitting streak. He's he's been really uh, he's just been unbelievable, and he yeah. he's a grinder. We we've talked so many times about the professional at bats and how tough of an out he can be. And when you really need a guy to bear down and give you that quality of bat, he's the guy. And we've always sort of looked at him and said, the numbers may never blow you away, but when you just watch him play day in, day out, you just come to appreciate the type of player that he's going to be and the type of player that really really already is. But now all of a sudden he gets out of the gates. He's just blazing hot right now. I don't, I don't really know where to take the conversation with Bryson Stott, except to say this. How much would you need to see from him in terms of a sample size before you start to say, maybe we do something with the top of the order? Because if I look... Be- I'm there already. there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> there already. I'm looking at this start, and I'm looking at Kyle Schwarber's start, and I just don't feel that Kyle Schwarber is a true leadoff man. I don't think that he is a true... I know the game's different. I know that that hitter profiles and the way the lineups are constructed are different now. I just I don't love Kyle Schwarber in the two hole. He just doesn't get on base enough. And if if we can play that power, you know, clean up five six with him, great. Like I, five would be good. But if Bryson Stott's going to be this guy and this good, I don't. I, to me, Turner one, Stott two, figure out the rest from there. I, I'd actually change the whole lineup right now, Bob, because of because of the inconsistency that you're getting from the top of the order. I would go Turner, Stott. I would bat Bohm three. I really would because of because yeah, of the way he, he the way he approaches his hitting as well. It's it's very very good so far this year. Um, and then I put Schwarber probably in the four hole, traditional mm-hmm. cleanup power guy. Right, you hope guys are on base and he can just put them that way. It, even if he's not, even if he is struggling, you know he's still going to lean into one. Right. All, all, all the time, like every once in a while. And if you got guys in front of them, then it becomes a big inning, right? Schwarber can have one good at bat a game and give you three runs, right, yeah. because of it. So you still bat him for – I'm either either or on Castellanos um, and uh, Real Muto 5-6, either way. And then, you know, probably Marsh 7. And- I, I think that's the only issue is that when you do this, because you say, wow, I really like what I have at the top. And then if you pack Boom and Stott at the top – then you look at seven, eight, nine on any given night, especially if Amuna Sosa's not in a lineup. Yeah. <laughs> you go, oh my God. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, the Jake Cave, great spring. Hopefully he gets it going. It's very early, but he's had some fairly underwhelming results here so far. Yeah. Him and Harrison both have had underwhelming results. Harrison is a guy that I think we've kind of uh, sort of glossed over a little bit. We know that he's got a great track record, he's a good clubhouse guy. We know why he's here, it makes sense. 
but he has not given this team very good at bats to this point. Uh, Christian Pache has been, I know he had the double on Saturday. He seems to, he, I, I don't know that in such a limited amount of playing time, I've ever been aggravated or so aggravated by one player, uh, in just, in just such a small sample of, of playing time. He has really not endeared himself to this fan base, uh, through, through nine games. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. No, he has not. Um, yeah, you're right. The bottom of the order does become a little bit of a of a concern, but I kind of think that's it is what it is at this point, yeah. right? I mean, you're going to have to make. And I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about Marsh. I think that Marsh is fine. I, I only get concerned about him against lefties. But if you can bring him against a right-hander, I think Marsh slots into the lineup just fine. And you know what? If you bet you if the bottom of your lineup is as bad as it is, guess what? It's going to be that bad no matter what. So you make them eight nine and just hope they get thrown quick and get back to the top again. Right. It is what it is at this point. So, all right. Well, let's jump into that one last thing here and wrap it up, Bob. Bob, I I, I know you had to see it, right? I know you had to see the Rocket City Trash Pandas. <laughs> I did see the Rocket America's <laughs> team. Some are calling them. <laughs> How do you throw a no hitter? And lose the game seven to five. That is the most fascinating result I think I've ever seen in the history of baseball. Now, to be fair, it was a seven inning game. Okay. But the fact that a team scored seven runs without getting a hit blows me away. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. And did you see how, how the seventh inning played out? Did you see what the, it went? It went walk, walk, pop out walk so now bases loaded strikeout so you got bases loaded still got the no hitter one out away from the no hitter you're up three to nothing and then it goes walk a dropped fly ball <laughs> it was an it was a it was a can of corn it was, it was an error and then this is the best part of the whole thing hit by pitch hit by pitch hit by pitch <laughs> walk wild pitch Hit by pitch. Hey, you're sitting in the dugout. If you're uh, if you're on the trash pandas coaching staff, you're sitting in the dugout. I think that second hit by pitch, you go, what are what are we doing now? I know that this sounds absolutely like ludicrous to you, this whole sequence. But if you've ever coached sub level high school baseball, like if you've ever coached a, a freshman baseball game or a JV baseball game at the high school level, yeah, this, that sequence has probably. It's probably been done once or twice. Probably has already happened this season. So this is professional baseball. Professional we're talking baseball about a little bit different. I expect more out of my trash pandas, honestly. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just got there such a go. kick out of it, Bob. I thought it was one of the greatest box scores I've ever seen. I'm like, holy cow, this will never happen again in my lifetime. This is great. And that's yeah, I have a prediction. Sh- that will, I that will not say, be the last trash pandas update that we get this season. Yeah, the we trash pandas. The trash pandas are such a great name. And and the best there's two two last things about it. One, it's 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 almost perfect that it's the Angels minor league team, right? Because this is a this is a tungsten Armo Doyle like total special right here. And two, and this is the, this is me getting you know talking about the beauty of the sport. You watch it as much as we do, and be around it as long as we have, and you always still can see something you've never seen before. And that's what I love about baseball because yeah. this is this is. 45 years of memory watching baseball and I've never seen anything like this and it's um, it's it's awesome that's what makes it fun that's what makes it fun 
Years from now, they'll ask, where were you the night the trash pandas no hit the opponent and gave up seven runs? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, well, there you go. Well, uh, for the uh, latest episode of Crossed Up, make sure that you're checking us out on YouTube, Spotify, uh, Google, you know, wherever you get your shows. Please also tell your friends. You've got friends that are Phillies fans or into baseball. They're looking for something new. There's a lot of good shows out there, but urge them to check this one out as well. So, Please give us a follow on Twitter at San Philly. Uh, I'm at Bob Wankel CB, and make sure that you're following the show on Twitter as well at Up Phillies. We will be back throughout the week with our morning after updates, and then Anthony and I will be back for our full show later this week on Friday morning. Phillies, three games with the Miami Marlins, looking to get ever so closer to the 500 mark here early on and stay afloat through a turbulent start. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.